Well, it was a great opening weekend for the Chicago Cubs here in 2022. A season opening series win against Milwaukee. Two out of three from the Brewers. Two-thirds of this podcast out at Wrigley Field over the last couple of days. So lots to get to tonight on Behind the Yellow Line. We will talk about the opening series for the Cubs, what we liked, what we didn't like, get some personal stories here from these two guys. We will look ahead. First road trip of the year starts tomorrow night. Two games in Western Pennsylvania in Pittsburgh, then four here in Denver. And I certainly got some things to say about that. We will also make our official Major League Baseball predictions. We were pushed back a week because I got sick. But now that I'm back together here, we're going to make our official predictions. Who we got winning divisions, wild cards, rookie of the year MVP. We'll throw all that out there here. And we'll bring things home today with number 64. As Randall, this is our 64th podcast of Behind the Yellow Line. We are on Twitter at BTYL Podcast. Jeremy is here. Randall is here. Nice weekend, guys. Randall, I can see you're in a good mood. Podcast 64. Sounds like a game I would have played uh, when I was, you know, 11 or 12 years old. Podcast 64. Great Randall and 64 commentary here to get things going. But guys, lots to be happy about right now. I think this is about as good of a weekend as we could have expected for the Chicago Cubs. Some big offensive moments, whether it was Nika or Suzuki, the bullpen, especially Saturday, four shutout innings. All in all, to take two out of three to beat a Cy Young winner, Jeremy, we all got to be feeling pretty good here after three. I think so. I mean, with everything, I, 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 there's a lot of you know negative thoughts on this Cubs team, I would say. And I, I don't think a lot of people expected. You're facing probably the odds-on favorite in the division. You're facing three All-Stars from 2021 in terms of starting pitchers. And you took two out of three, and you probably should have won the third game as well. So like I don't I don't know if you how you're as a Cubs fan you could be any like it could be any better than that like that's what as I don't think you could have expected more that's it was pretty pretty good I think to, I mean it was the first two and zero series start or excuse me season start since 2016 for our Cubs wow. team so I think that's it was a pretty good weekend if you're a Cubs fan it, yeah. it should have been a sweep it should have been a sweep that loss yesterday was bullshit just bullshit <laughs> from bullshit players it should have been a sweep. Good first weekend, though. I don't don't yes. get me wrong, but it should have been a sweep. Well, Randall was out there Sunday, so maybe a little bit more bitter than uh, the two of us who were at home watching it. And unfortunately, you know, things didn't work out for the Cubs. But Jeremy, you were out there for the season opener on Thursday. Certainly want to get into that. But uh, the weekend as a whole here, Saya comes out with six runs batted in on the weekend. Uh, one other thing that stood out to me as a positive, starting pitching, it kept the Cubs in the ball games. After the year we had last year and that awful starting pitching, very refreshing to have three games, three competent starters out there. And yeah, the bullpen gave it up on Sunday, but overall, the bullpen was very good this weekend too. So I'm very satisfied here as we record this Monday night. You're right. I thought on opening day, I thought Kyle Hendricks was excellent. Yeah. And I was a guy who was worried about him coming into the season. I mean, still obviously a long way to go in the season, but you know, after last year, I was you know skeptical and I thought he they got some cheap a cheap run off him I thought he pitched extremely well and then Justin Steele and Marcus Stroman did their jobs I would have liked to have seen Marcus Stroman go another inning on but I realized it's the first game of the season and if you compare you know the Brewers starting three who were as I mentioned all all-stars last year versus including the reigning Cy Young winner versus the Cubs starting three they Cubs clearly outpitched them the Brewers had so many struggles and so I, I, the starting pitching would be, yes, it was definitely one of my takeaways uh, from this opening series. I, I, I thought the starting pitch was fantastic. 
Yeah, I've, I've, I've said for years the Brewers are clearly frauds, and it's nice to be vindicated, even if I'm vindicated a season or two late. But, you know, they've started, they've started one and three now. They lost 2 nothing to the Orioles today. So ho- hopefully that team is sweating. Uh, but, yeah, the, uh, the, the starting pitching, it's hard not to be happy. And I agree, Jeremy. I would have liked to have seen Stroman go one more inning. But, you know, first start of the season after a very shortened spring, uh, I can understand Ross being cautious. Guys aren't completely as stretched out as they might want to be. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's a lot to like from this opening weekend. And it started with the starting pitching. Yeah. Well, you know, the first true second guessing of the year from Jeremy here, as soon as Stroman came out of that ball game, what the hell, man? He's at 78 pitches. Put him back out there. The guy's got another inning in his arm. Jesse Chavez, a guy that we've all been raving about last couple of weeks on the podcast. He didn't have it Sunday. Got away from him. The game got away from the Cubs there. Um, But lots to be excited about. Let's shift to offense for a minute here. Small sample size. Three games, but they face some good pitching. Some things I've noticed. uh, Fewer strikeouts. Deeper counts. The offense was more interesting this weekend than it was, I think, all of last year. And it was fun to see some deeper counts from these guys up and down the lineup. Ronan, it's it's not just anecdotal. It, it passes the stat test as well. This is from Fangraphs, pulled by Jordan Bastion, of course, the MLB.com reporter for the Cubs. It is, of course, only three games. But right now, the Cubs have the third lowest swinging strike percentage in MLB. And again, it is only three games that will normalize. But it, it's not just your eyes. They did a much better job at laying off pitches outside the zone, uh, pitches in the zone. Uh, this this weekend and it showed they were able to get two pretty good pitches and whatever Freddie Peralta considers himself to be out of the game a lot earlier than you would expect and they did it by being patient and not swinging at what the other guys were throwing and that's a very welcome change from last year well to me I think Freddie Peralta was an all-star last year and I think it's a good thing that the Cubs were able to chase a major league all-star I think you 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 build up Peralta there you say hey look how good we are we got to this guy and I think and you're right uh, I think that uh, the Cubs obviously over this past weekend they worked some really good counts I mean yeah. I, I think the prime candidate for that would be Seiya Suzuki I mean he was really working some very good at bats and you know I expected him to come in and struggle I didn't expect him to have a big weekend and I thought he looked pretty well. He was taking his walks. He hit, obviously, that monster homer. He had a, a nice hit on opening day. Uh, he he kind of probably on Saturday, I didn't really see it. I was listening on the radio, but it sounded like he kind of, on a day where the wind's not blowing in as much, that ball might have had a chance to go, too. So, you know, a guy like Suzuki, Nico obviously had a big weekend. Um, you know, you have a guy like Madrigal who didn't quite have a big weekend, but works the count, knows how to, you know, do that. So it's just kind of a different team. It's like a different mindset. And you know, you, you say what you want about Burns and Woodruff and Peralta not having it. I mean, they were clearly not themselves, but the Cubs worked those counts. They, they, they didn't chase anything. They didn't go out of the zone. They didn't make it easy or, or excuse me, you know, harder for themselves by, you know, they let them, they let those pitchers like struggle and they were, they, they struggled mightily. And it was, I think it was a pretty impressive weekend by the Cubs to work against three pretty good pitchers in my opinion. Yeah. You know, also a bit of a tough environment at Wrigley Field there. We've seen much colder weekends over the years, but still cold days, blustery days, not what we're going to have in a month or two as we get deeper into May and then into June. So all of that considered, I, I know that uh, JD made the point, might have been Thursday, it's tough to pitch 
when it's cold weather, you think a lot about hitters and you hit the ball off the end of the bat that's going to be very uncomfortable. It's tough for a major league pitcher when it's 45 degrees and it's windy and the sun's coming out and hiding back behind the clouds. That gets to pitchers as well. So all of that, to take two out of three, they had the washout, of course, on Friday. Great weekend here to get things going. And look, I still have this team losing 90 games this year. I think there's plenty of frustration ahead of us. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it while they're playing well. And they played well this weekend and always good to beat up on Milwaukee. Yeah, I loved it. I, I was, you know, I went on opening day right there. I was, I, I, when Nico hit that, I thought the game was pretty much over when the Brewers got that one cheap run. I'm like, well, Kyle's pitching well, but they got Burns on the mound. They have Hader and Williams in the bullpen. I just don't see this team coming back. And then Nico took Corbin Burns deep, and I was, oh my God, that was like the best. I couldn't handle it. It was such a fantastic moment. And the Cubs, you know, Ian Happ hit a nice ball off the wall, and it was I, I loved every minute of it. I, they took two out of three from the division favorite. Yeah. How could you not love it? Right. Well, tell us a little bit more about Thursday. You were there Thursday, Randall. We'll get some of your sour thoughts here in a minute about Sunday. But, Jeremy, opening day, the first proper opening day in multiple years. Not quite a sellout at Wrigley Field, but at least baseball here at the start of April. What was the vibe? What was the scene? I mean, you were there for game number one. You know, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I, I, you know, as as I said, like, I, I thought it was great. I, I, you know, there's nothing better than me than Wrigley Field being in Wrigley Field on opening day, which is fantastic. It's like, you know, you have all the feelings about the team, whatever, but you, you get into the ballpark. To me, you, you, you get your food, you sit down, you take your seat, you're just there, and like. I like I was so happy in those moments, to be honest. I'm yeah. just sitting there waiting for the game to start. I, I probably got in around 1230 ish, 1240 ish and, you know, one twenty start. And I to me, I was just like kind of, you know, giddy. It was like I was that's what I love. I love sitting at Wrigley Field and being there for a, a ball game. And so, you know, to be there with a, a true opening day, I was there last year it was only 25 percent. Right. And then obviously nothing in 2020. So it was just kind of, it finally kind of felt like, you know, it wasn't full, but it felt like this is, this is real. Like this is a real opening yeah. day. This is a beginning of a real season. And I, I, I thought it was great and it was a great experience. You know, it was, it wasn't obviously full, but the, the, the fans got up for the big moments. When Nico hit that homer, everybody got up. What I said, he half drove the ball to the outfield off the wall. That was a huge moment. And then Robertson shutting it down and, and go Cubs go playing. And it was just like, okay, it's back. It's really happening again. I, and uh, you know, the Cubs hall of famer is throwing out the first pitch and seeing the seventh inning stretch. It's just like, this is really field. This is Cubs baseball. This is what we all love. And so I, it, it was, to me, it was a really fun experience. Yeah. Jeremy, no, Jeremy would you say, would you say it's different here? Well, yeah, I think it's different here. You know, I've been to a few ballparks in my time and, uh, and I would say, you know, I'm not, I don't, I, wherever that phrase came from or wherever, but yeah, it's true. It is a little bit different here. It's not yes. Milwaukee. It's not Colorado ballparks. We've been to St. Louis, Cincinnati, Detroit. It, it is different here. Yeah. What was the first purchase when you got into the ballpark? Uh, first purchase would probably have been the old sausage beef combo. Sausage beef. Wow. So yeah, Italian sausage, Italian beef combo yeah. to get your day started. That's how you start a three-hour ball game at Wrigley Field. That's yeah. that's well done. Yeah, uh, I, I went straight to the back of the. Well, they moved everything out from you know behind center because they have a club now. So, but back behind and the, they have those little uh, setups. So yeah, that's why I went and got the sausage beef combo in the upper deck. I'm talking about upper deck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. So you take it in. You're there. I imagine it was a diet Pepsi to go down with that beef combo? 
It was. It was a Diet Pepsi. Those are the options. Unfortunately, they only have the plastic bottles in those areas. I know Ronan is not a big fan of that. No, not but, at all. Uh, I, I take it. Yeah. Well, the, the sandwich sounds good, though, or the uh, beef combo there. Definitely on board with that. Uh, Randall, you were out there Sunday. And the vibe I got Sunday, this, this was my mistake on Sunday. I took Huxley for a long walk. I missed the first inning, right? That walk dragged on just a little bit longer than I wanted it to be. I missed the first inning. So I come home. Cubs are up, but it kind of was all downhill after that point. Was that the vibe in the ballpark too? Well, you know, I'd say the vibes were immaculate right up until that Adamas home run. Yeah. And the Cubs right around then had squandered a decent scoring chance. And you were starting to get that feeling that uh, you're going to need a couple more runs to, to maybe put this one away today. Those couple more runs never came. But I'll tell you what, up until that inning, up until whenever Adamas hit that home run, the vibes were immaculate. It was a much better weather day than Jeremy got to enjoy. Temperatures were in the low to mid 50s, a little chilly in the shade, breezy, but it was great. The sun was out. You had those high wispy clouds. So you get the blue and white in the sky, the green of the ballpark, the brown of the dirt, just a a perfect image. And I put some of those out on our Twitter account, which, by the way, you can find at BTYL podcast. Just a perfect looking day at the ballpark. And, And like Jeremy said, you walk into Wrigley for the first time each season. And it, it, it just overcomes you. you. You just walk in and you're enveloped by it. it it's the, the greatest environment in the world. It's one of the greatest places in the world. There's nothing like it. And it's always good to be back, to see people walking around in the sunshine, to see the players taking BP. There's nothing like it. Are you a little hoarse today, Randall? Sounds well, like you, you know, lost your voice this weekend. You know, the umpires and the players on both sides, there were some things I wanted to tell them. And, you know, you, you do what you got to do. So I, 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 I admit to nothing, but I'm kind of giving myself away. One game and the voice is gone already. Yeah, yeah you know, you know, I say to myself, like, okay, you're going to shout some things today. Do it in a way that's not going to blow out your voice. And every time, every time it, it never quite works out that way. There's ways to shout that you don't do this to yourself. But, you know, when, when you got things to say to the umpires, it doesn't always work that way. You say anything to the Brewers fans sitting around you yesterday? Uh, other, other than glaring at them as they would get up in the middle of a pitch and then come back in the middle of a pitch, no. I, I don't talk to Brewers fans in part because I use too many syllables. It's, oh, it's man. Too, too difficult for them. Uh, yeah, I, I will say this. There were way too many Brewers fans, and maybe that's a function of the fact that the Cubs lost, and there were a lot of what Pat would call turning point moments in that game that – swung in the direction of the Brewers. So they had reason to cheer for Mike Brasso, whatever that is. Awful. Uh, yeah. So there were way too many Brewers fans in the park for my taste, but that's always the case because there is no uh, checkpoint at the state line, as we all know. Uh, so too many Brewers fans in the ballpark. But Randall likes that, tight border control. Yes, exactly. Only, Randall's all about the border control. Only if you're wearing the, uh, <laughs> the glove, the glove and ball logo on your head. I'm only, only about border control for very certain individuals. Um, but hey, that first that first inning home run by Suzuki, what a great moment that was. We said he had a great weekend. You could see he's got a very, very good idea of the strike zone up there. He's got a great ability to wait for his pitch and then put bat on ball. To, to see him go up there and hit that home run, the outfielders barely even moved. What a great moment that was. And it seems like between Chris Bryant, Seiya Suzuki, and probably one or two others, I've got a great penchant for seeing first major league home runs in games that the Cubs end up losing to the Brewers. So, uh, oh man, yeah, KB. KB. But you know, it's always fun when you are at the first home run for a player, especially a player that you think is going to be a big part of the 
team moving forward. Uh, you know, the Kosuke home run. I was here in Denver for Javi's home run. I look back very fondly on that. And you've got this moment, and I think that's very cool for you. I'm also just infinitely jealous of the people sitting around you because the noise you must have made, Randall, as that ball was soaring out to left field, I wish I was there to take that one in. It was a very loud, oh, yeah. Not Kool-Aid man style. It was a little louder and I think had a little higher register than that. Uh, but yeah, that, that's, that's what I remember shouting. I just remember looking up at the, uh, the girders above me as I, as I shouted to the heavens. That was quite a moment. Yeah, that's cool. Jeremy, you've seen some significant first career home runs over the years. Yeah, we, we saw the KB one together. You know, I've seen a few others. Uh, Addison Russell against the Brewers we saw. I don't know how yeah. great that one looks back now. But, uh, yeah, a few first homers. I, I I didn't quite get to see the Suzuki first homer, but I did get to see Nico's first homer in three years. So that's almost yeah. like a first homer. Yeah, it was a first since 2019. And yeah. I heard JD say that. I was like, wow, that makes sense. But, goodness, uh, you know, what a wild time it's been here. But very nice to see Nico hitting the ball out of the park. We got to see pretty much all the offensive players, good chunk of the bullpen. So nice weekend here. Cubs take two out of three. They are on the road, though, now. And it's a pretty interesting road trip. Two of the most beautiful ballparks in the National League. Two in Pittsburgh, a quick stop there. And then four games here in Denver. Certainly, I have some things to say on that. And I know Cubs-Pirates is worth mentioning, the beginning of the uh, you know first divisional matchup this year between those teams. But Randall, I think you maybe have some Cubs weather for us as they embark on their first road trip of the year. As a matter of fact, I do. And as always, Cubs weather is brought to you by Cubs weather and provided to us by none other than Alexander Hall. You can find him on Twitter at Alexander Hall. And of course, find Cubs weather on Twitter at Cubs weather. For this quick two-game stop in Pittsburgh at PNC Park, Alexander tells us on Tuesday you can expect, and this is a 3:12 central time start, by the way, you can expect 66 degrees of the winds will be light and variable. Wednesday, there is a chance of rain. Uh, game time temperature will be 70 degrees. That is an 11.35 uh, central time in the morning start. It is a, a getaway day game. Uh, winds will be to the left side, 10 to 25 miles per hour. Humidity will be a little bit of a factor. It will be increasing on Wednesday, but not uncomfortable. And Alexander describes the series vibe as something closer to actual spring with a little trademark after actual spring. Tuesday looks to be a picture-perfect Pittsburgh home opener with light winds, nice temperatures, and sunny skies. Wednesday, there will be gusty winds with a chance for showers throughout the game window as a major spring storm takes shape back in the Midwest. So there are some, there's some potential for weather issues on Wednesday. And then, of course, we move to the adopted home of one Ronan O'Shea as the Cubs visit Coors Field in Denver this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Game times Thursday and Friday are 7.40 p.m. Central Time starts. Saturday is a 7.10 p.m. Central Time start. And Sunday is a 2.10 in the afternoon Central Time start. Thursday, temperatures will be 50 degrees, winds to the right side of the ballpark, 10 to 20 miles per hour. Friday, 56 degrees to the road with winds to the right side, again at 10 to 20. Saturday, 60 degrees, winds will be out to center or variable at 10 miles per hour. And then finally, the series finale and the road trip finale. Sunday, you can expect temperatures around 64 degrees with wind in from left to the left field corner at 10 to 20 miles per hour. The humidity will be uh, typical Denver humidity. Alexander asks, chapstick anyone? The series vibe will be sunny days, crisp evenings, and chilly nights. Breezy, dry, and cool is the rule for this four-game series in the Mile High City. Keep an eye on a slight chance for a shower Saturday and Sunday. And as Alexander reminds us, and as Ronan reminds us all the time, 
Remember, in the dry air out west, temperatures cool rapidly after sunset, so dress accordingly. That is our second and third series forecasts of the 2022 season in Pittsburgh and in Denver. Thanks again to at Alexander Hall of at Cubs Weather for providing his regular weather expertise to us here on Behind the Yellow Line. Yeah, always appreciate that. Good stuff. Two beautiful cities, too, between Pittsburgh and Denver. Uh, great point, though, at the end, too. Bring a jacket. It's total amateur hour. I see these people going to the ballpark. It's 70 degrees. Like, oh, we're going to be fine. Sun goes down in Denver. It's almost instantly down into the 30s. So you got to be ready when you're out at the ballpark. But we'll get to that. I do want to start this Pittsburgh series, though. Weird start time. Did you say 312 Central tomorrow? I didn't realize I did. it was a day game. I did, as a matter of fact. It is the Pirates' home opener, so that's a 412 local time start. And then, of course, it is standard for the Pirates to start the, the getaway day game at 1235 local time. So it is a, a pre-lunch uh, 1135 a.m. Central time start. That one's not so weird, but this 312 Central time start for your home opener, I don't quite understand it. But uh, there's a lot about the Pirates I don't understand, so ours is not to reason why. Well, here's one thing that'll get Cubs fans thinking. The pitching matchup tomorrow. Drew Smiley, Jeremy's guy on the bump for the Cubs. Jose Quintana, our old buddy, on the mound for Pittsburgh here. That gives me feelings, right? Like, Quintana was a big part of that 2017 team, but with all the White Sox success, Dylan Cease maybe a Cy Young candidate this year. A little tough sometimes to see Jose Quintana. Am I wrong? What do you think no. here? I, no. I, no. You know, he, he doesn't bother me. He doesn't bother me. It, it's fine. It's fine. He's with Pittsburgh. I hope the Cubs light him up. But that's not personal. He's facing the Cubs. I hope the Cubs yeah. light up everyone they face. No, I I, I always liked Jose. I, I, I think he got a little bit of an unfair rap here in Chicago, I think, at least on the north side of Chicago. I think, you know, without Jose Quintana in 2017 – do the Cubs win a division? Do the Cubs make the NLCS? I, I don't. I don't think so. He was dynamite down the stretch. Um, he, he struggled a little bit after that, but he was still a solid pitcher, mostly for the Cubs. Unfortunately, the way his career ended in Chicago with the sliced hand, washing the wine glass, pretty much the 2020 season, pretty much missing the 2020 season, just very short period where he was on the Cubs. It's unfortunate he never really got that chance to kind of prove himself again. But I'm going to say one thing. I have a feeling there are going to be some takes tomorrow when Nick Madrigal faces Jose Quintana. Ooh, that, that's going to be a fun one. Oh, man. That's, that's going to be like matter and antimatter colliding. There's going to be some sparks. Well, Randall's always there when the White Sox fans are tweeting. He's first in line. He wants to see everything that they got to say. Yeah, I'm yeah. first in line to put them all on a boat and send them out to sea so I don't have to see. <laughs> But it should be, I mean, 412, a 4-12 start. I know we're talking about a 3-12 start in Chicago. A 4-12 start in Pittsburgh local time, that is a weird start. I mean, you're thinking shadows with the, the sunset. Yep. Like, that's an odd start. Any Like, I realize it's opening day, but that's just a really weird start. You know, because, you know, people are still at work or at school, like, at four. Yeah, like, I can understand it's... taking the half day off, but at that point, it's like, kind of are working the full day it's it's an odd start time like like a day game makes perfect sense you have somebody either just take the whole day off or work the half day uh, a four twelve local time start i'm just curious like who who that's for but again there, there's a lot about the pirates i don't get so it's just yeah. add one more to the list well you know give it eight more minutes and it'll be a real party there in pittsburgh but the one downside to this series is unfortunately wednesday with kyle hendricks going good for the cubs in pittsburgh that means that's the one cub starter i'm gonna miss here in Denver. So that's something I'm a little bit disappointed about. 
not getting a chance to see Hendricks, you know, four games in Denver, you're thinking pretty good shot at that. Uh, so as long as there's no rain or issues like that, first two days in Pittsburgh, won't see Kyle Hendricks here in Denver. Yeah. And I do want to say, you know, coming off obviously a big series win, I think against Milwaukee, and then you got three against Pittsburgh and four against Colorado. Like this is a pretty good opportunity for the Cubs to kind of really get off to a hot start in yeah. April, which I think would be key for them to be competitive over the season. And so I would be really nice to see, you know, to at least take both of these series. I would think you would want to do that. And so I, it's a big, I feel like this is a big week for the Cubs. I mean, they're playing some bottom feeders feeders should be bottom feeders. So this is a pretty big opportunity. I think that the Cubs really need to come out and play well. Yes. Take two in Pittsburgh. I do think it's going to be a tough series here in Denver and the Rockies are a team that as you'll hear in a minute, when we make our predictions, I don't have them playoff bound or anything close to that. They play very good baseball at home. They were a 74 win team last year, 48 and 33 at Coors field. They've won three in a row. They just had their first home series victory against the Dodgers since 2018. Like some things are going well for the Rockies right now. So I think that one could be a little bit of a hiccup. I was just telling someone earlier, honestly, I'll be satisfied with two wins this weekend in Denver. I think if they can get out of there with two, I'll be pretty satisfied going to all four, but it's a tough place. You come into Coors Field, things can get very weird very quickly, and it's going to be big crowds all weekend at Coors Field too. So it should be a festive environment. Yeah, I, I can't remember in recent memory the Cubs having particularly good series in any of the NL West parks. It just seems like it doesn't happen in Coors. Of course, we know what kind of crazy things happen there. So, you know, take care of your business in Pittsburgh and let things sort themselves out in the, the pinball machine out there in Denver. It's a good way of putting it. I mean, it's always crazy. And there's going to be some weird bullpen moments. There's going to be some big home runs, but very much ready for it. You know, you two got some baseball in this weekend. I get four games. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon. I'm there for the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson. That's going to be awesome. I think Friday night's going to be just an incredible atmosphere out of the ballpark. And they drew very well this weekend with the Dodgers in town. Multiple games in the high 40,000s. It's going to be rocking at Coors Field. So I'm ready for it. I'm excited. And I'm ready for the weather, right? I know it's going to be cold. Thursday night is going to be cold at Coors Field. I'm going to be prepared for it. And one of the days... Got to take out the new Chinichi Dragon Kosuke Fukudome jersey that I picked up on eBay the other day. Definitely ready to rock that out at Coors Field this weekend. Uh, again, there's a very good chance that you will be the only person in Coors Field wearing a Chinichi Dragons Kosuke Fukudome jersey. And if you think about everything that you wear to a ballpark, maybe you wear a hoodie, maybe you wear a jersey, maybe you wear a jacket, there's a good chance that somebody else in the ballpark is probably wearing that same item. I'd say that those chances are lowered for you, Ronan. You, you have a very unique item. Now, I know you like to rotate around the ballpark, Ronan. What night will you be sitting in or near right field so that you yeah. can say hello to the newest member of the Cubs? It's a good question. Um, I'm thinking maybe Saturday night at this point. Uh, Thursday is going to be the cheapest of the four games, and I'm flying solo there. So I think I'm going to get a nice seat. Like I'm going to end up pretty close, I think, to home plate. Kind of work my way around the ballpark. But I do want to sit out towards left field one of the nights, uh, want to be in right field, and definitely want to get down towards the dugout. So it's nice to get kind of multiple opportunities and to see the ballpark from different places. The one thing that I've learned, and I don't go to a lot of day games at Coors Field because sunny Denver is rough. And if you're sitting out in the sun, it is brutal. You're going to get yourself burned pretty bad. Got to be on the third base side or even the upper deck left field line. 
I just have to be in the shade on Sunday or I'm going to be very uncomfortable during the ball game. But everything else at night, it's going to start warm. It's going to get progressively colder as the days go on. I'll be ready for all that. I'm certainly prepared for it. But Sunday's the day that if you're sitting in the sun, it could get very uncomfortable very quickly. So I won't be in right field on Sunday. Feels like uh, Saturday is the day to wear the Chinichi Dragons jersey. I think out so. In right field, out in right which, field and just take it you're, in. You're the only one on the podcast currently wearing the Chinichi Dragons jersey. That, yeah. is, that is accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I like but, to dress up for the podcast, and I wish yeah. my co-hosts would, you know, do the same. But I dress uh, them no, for it. I drop some Cubs pants on here. Um, but uh, you know, you're, you're going to see Seiya. You're going to say, "Hey, look, I support the Japanese baseball." Yeah. <laughs> Well, it got me thinking, I do want to take on or take in a Japanese team. And I looked at Chinichi and I'm like, look, I got the jersey. Kosuke played there. Can't do it, though, because they play in a dome. I cannot cheer for a team that primarily plays in a dome. So I got to find a team in Japan that's got a cool, old, historic, beautiful ballpark, maybe one near the mountains. But if they're in a dome, you lose me. Baseball should be played outside, even in Japan. I agree with you there. But the Tokyo Dome is pretty famous. For sure. But I got to pick a team that's got an old, historic outdoor ballpark. You know, Ron, I believe I've got just the team for you, the Hanshin Tigers, which, by the way, was one of Kosuke Fukudome's uh, NPB teams. They play at what's called Koshin Stadium, which is not only outdoors, but you might know from the name what it is also famous for, uh, in addition to being the host of the home ballpark of the Hanshin Tigers. Do you know? The only guess is the Aldert infield. Okay, you are very close, sort of. Uh, Koshin Stadium is named for the famed Koshin Baseball Tournament, tournament, mm. which is the National High School Baseball Invitational Tournament uh, in Japan. And it's a place where a lot of famed Japanese ballplayers have kind of burst onto the scene and made names for themselves, including names like Shohei Otani, Masahiro Tanaka, Yu Darvish, Daisuke Matsuzaka, Hideki Matsui, a laundry list of names to have not only made names for themselves in Nippon professional baseball, but to have come over and had prolific careers in MLB. So I wonder if that might be your leader in the clubhouse is the Hanshin Tigers at Koshin Stadium. Hanshin Tigers have a great look, black pinstripes. They got a yellow and black hat. I think that might be your winner. Is it an altered infield? Because my image of that park is there's no grass on the infield. Uh, it is, in fact, an all-dirt infield. You are correct. Very uh, old school, kind of like the Sandlot days when you see a ballpark like that. But I do. I want to find a Japanese team. So you heard it here first. Ronan O'Shea, avowed Hanshin Tigers fan. We've we've broken news and history and maybe other things here on the podcast. Well, I'm ready for it. Four game, Coors Field, beautiful ballpark. Spent a lot of time at Coors Field. And I was telling somebody else in the last couple of days, after this weekend, I can start being sort of sort of pro Rockies, right? Like I'm not a diehard Rockies fan, but when I go see him play, for the most part, I cheer for him. Obviously not until after this weekend though. Cubs take all four, win three. Again, I'd be happy with two, but I do expect high intensity ball games, fun ball games, long ball games, well-attended ball games. And I think all in all should be a memorable weekend here in the Mile High City. Uh, I got to toss this in for you. One more thing about uh, Koshin Stadium. the seats in the infield are colored green on the first base side and the third base side. And those are called IV seats. There is no park. There is no parking lot at the stadium. It is a two minute walk from the nearest train station and regular television commercials during game broadcasts encourage the public to use public transportation. Uh, See, it sounds like a very familiar vibe. 
No, I like that a lot. That is very cool. Good uh, nugget there, Randall. Got me thinking, though, here, uh, where I live near Coors Field, there's sort of a train line that separates my neighborhood from the ballpark. I'm the same level streetwise as, as the parking lot at Coors Field. We got this light rail line that runs through it, and there's no signage in this neighborhood at all. A lot of people come in here, they park, then they don't know how to get to the ballpark. I find it to be pretty humorous because they're staring at the ballpark. And they're like, I don't know how to get to it. Do I go left over this giant bridge? Do I retreat backwards and go under a bridge to get to the ballpark? There are a couple of ways to do it. If I'm in a festive mood or if I'm in the mood to talk to people, I'll go up to folks and I'll say, hey, look, it's shorter. It doesn't look this way, but it's actually shorter to go this way than the other. Uh, other times I'm like, eh, you got that Cardinal jersey on, walk. You want to be late? That's fine. Not my problem. But it is always cool seeing the different fans come into the neighborhood here. Tons of Dodgers apparel in the Coors Field area the last couple of days. And this is a city that likes to drink alcohol. And I was walking around the ballpark around 5.30 or so Friday as opening day was letting out. The volume of people that were not drunk, I'm talking like cannot stand up, falling down in the street. TMZ, I saw today, had video of an awful brawl that took place about a block and a half from Coors Field. I mean, haymakers being thrown on people. It was a very drunk crowd. So you put Chicago people, they like to drink, Denver people together. It's going to be an interesting weekend at the ballpark, and I just hope the Cubs show up and, again, at least give me two wins. That'd be satisfying coming out of the weekend here. Uh, if you are coming to Denver for baseball, uh, don't even try to get pizza. You're going to be let down. Get some good Mexican food. Enjoy the ballpark, and let's go Cubs this weekend. Um, but let's talk the rest of Major League Baseball here. Uh, preview. We want to make our official picks. This is the second time we've done our official predictions of the year. I feel like I need to preface it with this because I feel like you two sometimes get a little too literal. So I'm going to say this. <laughs> when I'm picking a World Series winner or the teams that are playing in the World Series, it's not my prediction of who are the two best teams in baseball. I'll make that distinction separate. We know how the playoffs go. Teams get hot. They end up in it. You get upsets and things like that. So that's part of it. Same thing for Rookie of the Year, Cy Young MVP. Maybe not the top rookie, but the guy that I think is going to end up putting together the year or getting the necessary votes in order to do it. So we will pick our playoff predictions, our individual awards, National League Rookie of the Year, Cy Young MVP. We'll also share some storylines that we think are worth following here in 2022. If you've got MLB TV, it's just awesome. All night, games on, lots of things to watch. And it was pretty cool this past weekend, tons of day games, Saturday and Sunday, that you basically had a full day's worth of baseball Saturday from early in the morning till late at night. And really like that. As you get deeper into the season, pretty much every Saturday game's at night. So they're all kind of crammed together at the same time. It was fun this past weekend that it sort of played out over the course of the day. And you will see that in April, and you'll certainly see that midweek here as more teams have opening days. But uh, let's get into our predictions, and let's start with the American League. We'll work ourselves back to the National League. Jeremy, I'm going to put you on the spot here first. Give me your three division winners and your three wild cards coming out of the American League here in 2022. All right, so before I start off, I just want to preface this by saying my predictions I made prior to the season starting, and yes, I have not changed well. them at all, and I have not taken into account anything that's happened since the start of the season. Yes, uh, me too, okay. actually, but thank you for clarifying. It's I just want point. to clear that, at least for myself. So three and three, okay. I'm going with, in the AL East, I'm going with the New York Yankees. In the AL Central, I'm going with the Chicago White Sox. In the AL West, I'm going with the Houston Astros. Mm. And then my three wildcard teams are the Toronto Blue Jays, the Boston Red Sox, 
and the Tampa Rays, Tampa Bay Rays. That's four AL East teams I got in making the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, Do you think that's the best division in baseball, the American League East? I think, yeah, I got to go with, I'll say it's the best. It's certainly the most competitive, I think, and, and balanced division in terms of top teams. So, yeah, I'll say it's the best. Yeah. Well, we'll come back to that, too. I want to get Randall's takes, though. East Central West, three wild card, Randall, who are coming out of the American League this year. I have Seattle taking the American League West, the Twins in the Central, the Blue Jays taking the East, and then for the wild card teams, I have the Rays, the Yankees, and the Astros. Okay. All right. Uh, Rays, Yankees, Astros is what you're taking in the American League. And you got the Twins. So you don't even have the White Sox making the playoffs. No. I do not. Oh, okay. I uh, don't agree with you there, Randall. Let me give you my takes, and then we'll talk about the American League a bit. I will go east to west, as it should be. American League East, Toronto Blue Jays. I think they're going to be the best team in the American League. But the Blue Jays in the east, the Chicago White Sox are taking that Central Division crown. Here's one. Out west, I'm all in on Joe. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim putting it together, winning the American League West. My three wild card teams split bag here. The Yankees will be in the postseason. The Astros will be in the postseason. The Boston Red Sox will be in the postseason. So how are we feeling about the Blue Jays overall? I'm saying they're the number one team in the American League. Buying that or selling that as the Blue Jays is number one? I will buy that with both American and Canadian currency. Well, I, I'm well based on my picks. I'm selling it because I have the Blue Jays as the top wild card spot. So uh, I'm not picking the Blue Jays to be my number one team in the American League, though they are fanta- uh, fantastic baseball team. Easily could be the number one team in the American League. Jeremy in the Central, you and I both have the White Sox winning it. Randall going with Minnesota. Are the White Sox a better team this year than they were last year? That's an interesting question. I'm. I I think. I I don't. It's tough. I, th- I think it depends. I mean, it depends. They had so many injuries last year, which is, but I'll say yes, just because they still have a lot of holes. They still have a lot of issues. They lost some stuff in the rotation, but getting a year older, Robert, you know, I think Tim Anderson's probably gonna be better. He just keeps improving. Aloy's probably going to get better. Andrew Vaughn's probably gonna get better. So I'll say yes. Yeah. Vaughn with a huge home run in Detroit the other day, they upgraded in the outfield. Plenty of questions about that starting rotation still. I really like Giolito, although he's now hurt. I really like Dylan Cease, but you get past those top two, it gets a lot shakier, I think, for the Chicago White Sox and maybe an area that they could have addressed this offseason that they really didn't go all in on. Now they've got some injuries in the bullpen too. So injuries are always going to be a problem. I'm still with you, though. I think that's the top team in the American League Central, and I do think they are improved from a year ago. They seem to have spent a lot of money on their bullpen instead of probably spreading it around in other areas that yeah. probably would have made more of a difference in my opinion. You got the White Sox getting to 97 wins? Is that a little too high? I think that's too high. I don't have them getting that high. I do think they win division, but I also think that Minnesota, Detroit, Kansas City, these even Cleveland maybe, these might all be teams that are better than we we're expecting. So, I don't I, I think they take the division, but I think it's going to be a competitive more competitive than people expect in the AL Central. Well, we had some different opinions on the American League West. I feel like I should go first because I took Anaheim, a team that most people are not picking out there. And it really comes down to this. I just really want to will it to happen, right? Mike Trout's been the best player in baseball for the last decade. He finally has some support around him. We know what Otani's capable of doing. Rendon over at third. Adele in the lineup. Like, there's some guys there. Plus, I want that Joe Magic to work out. Like, I want that team to do it. And really, the number one competition I think they're going to have in that division is the Houston Astros. A lot of people are hot on Seattle, and maybe they put together a run here in the West. 
but I would love to see Anaheim with the best player in baseball, put it together, be adding at the trade deadline. And I'm sick of Houston. I don't like Houston. I don't like the organization. I don't like the ballpark. I don't like the players that play down there. I'm ready for a new team in the West and let it be Joe and that fun Angels team. Yeah, for yeah, I, I oh, go ahead. I certainly, I certainly don't have any good thoughts about Minute Maid Park. All those years of watching the Cubs play there with the choo-choo train and the uh, the pumpkins, as Ron Santo once famously called them. And I know it's gone, but the hill in center field, I, I have no fond memories of Houston. So, Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I still think they're the best team, but Los Angeles, you know, if there's ever going to be a year for them to actually make it, I, I think I picked them last year and they faltered. It seems like that whenever yeah. you expect something of them, they falter. But, you know, this would be the year they have some talent over there. Um, but I I expected Seattle to make more of a leap. I They made some improvements, but didn't go as far as I thought they would. So I'm still sticking with Houston. Okay. Any other thoughts in the American League? And then we'll look at the National League and we'll come back to the award winners. But anything else in the AL? I'd, I'd like Seattle. I'd like this to be the year Seattle breaks through. We know they have the, I believe it's the longest postseason drought in yeah. any of the major sports. I'd like them to break that this year. They were they were right there on the cusp last year. They needed some final weekend magic they didn't quite get in order to be one of those wildcard teams. I'd like this to be the year that they get that uh, that monkey off their back and they break that postseason trend. So I'm pulling for Seattle this year. Well, 2001, Randall, they win 116 games. Ichiro does his thing in his rookie year. They've not been back to the postseason since. So the drought is on in Seattle. A cool ballpark up there. Ballpark you've been to, Randall. A I ballpark have. I want to get to. And with this uh, new playoff or the new rather schedule structure beginning next year, Cubs are going to be in Seattle every other year. It's an easy flight from Denver. So that's on my radar here the next couple of years. Boy, I wish our fans could see Jeremy right now. I'm talking about a road trip to Seattle, and he's just well, – the Pearl Jam is oozing out of him in front of us here. Uh, let's oh, go to the National is. League, and then we'll get into some individual award winners. East, Central, West. Jeremy, plus the three wild card. Who are your six National League playoff teams? All right, East, Central, West. I'm going to go with your defending champions, the Atlanta Braves, in the National League East. And the NL Central didn't go this way over the weekend, but my top team is the Milwaukee Brewers once again. And in the NL West, uh, it's hard to pick anybody besides the Dodgers when they've just been dominant in that division for so long. Uh, and the, for the three playoff teams, we're staying kind of on theme. We're staying on the Eastern Seaboard. The New York Mets, in my opinion, are going to make it. The Philadelphia Phillies are going to make it. And then we're going back west, and I think they're going to finally come through this year. The San Diego Padres are going to be the last team, or maybe not the last team, but get into the postseason. Well, Jeremy, you and I have the same teams, just a different order. I want to see what Randall's got. Randall, East, Central, West, three wild cards in the NL. Who is it? In the NL East, I also have the Braves. In the NL Central, you are going to give me a look. I don't care. I'm taking the Cubs. I'm not taking the Cardinals. <laughs> I'm not taking the Brewers. It's not going to be the Reds. It's not going to be the Pirates. Ergo, I am left with one option. That is your Chicago Cubs. It's probably not going to happen. I, again, do not care. In the National League West, I have the Dodgers. And then my three wild card teams, I have the Mets, the Giants, and the Phillies. Mets, Giants, Phillies. Okay, so a little bit off there. Uh, here's where I'm going. I am not picking the defending champs in the East. I'm all in on Schwarber and Harper and Castellanos. So the Philadelphia Phillies are going to win the National League East this year. Unfortunately, the Brewers will reign supreme in the National League Central, but it was nice to slap them in the mouth here this weekend to get things going. We are all in agreement. The Dodgers are the team to beat in the West. I have the Dodgers as the best team in the National League. 
So that's my number one seed coming out of the NL. My three wildcard teams. Yes, Jeremy, the Padres are in. Going to be a great year for them. The other two playoff teams for me, the New York Mets, and then the final wildcard team. It's very, very tough to have consecutive awesome seasons, especially after a World Series title. So I've got the Atlanta Braves coming in as the final wildcard team out of the National League East. So Phillies, Brewers, Dodgers, Padres, Mets, Braves. We're all kind of afraid of the Dodgers right now, right? They've got a little bit of everything. They add Freddie Freeman, and they have to be the favorites in the NL coming into the year. Yeah, I think they're the best team uh, once again. Um, But I would also like to point out, uh, not to get ahead of myself, that Randall going with the Cubs in the NL Central when last week, I believe Randall predicted the Cubs to win 79 games. So that's well, quite you know the, it's, it's going to be uh, a really bad for a Central Division winner. It's going to be a really bad division, Jeremy. <laughs> 79 win Cubs team taking the division. I'll, I, I'm down for it. I'm, I'm definitely down for it fine with the 79 Cubs team winning the uh, division. No problem there. Um, but what else do we think here in the National League? Jeremy, you and I think the Brewers are the team you got to run through in the National League Central. That East is going to be something to watch, though. I think the West is very top-heavy, particularly the top two teams. Maybe I'm selling the Giants a little bit short, but I think the Dodgers and the Padres are going to be in the top end there. But it kind of gets ugly as you get deeper down in the National League West to places like Phoenix, where, God, that roster is just a mess, just a compiled pieces that maybe a decade ago would have been worth watching but right now not a very good team in phoenix see i'm i'm not as high as the pod on the padres as a lot of people are there's a lot of talent on that roster i agree but tatis jr he's out for however long he's out after the motorcycle accident you've already got uh, some uh, minor injuries in the starting rotation as blake snell was scratched from a start over the weekend and we saw last year that roster falls apart in a hurry after you get below the fur, the you know the top three, four, five players, and that's the case for a lot of teams. A lot of rosters are top heavy, but you know they they haven't really improved from last year. And we saw what happened last year. I'm not as high on the Padres as a lot of teams are. It wouldn't surprise me if they get in as a wild card team, but we know they're probably not winning the division. So I'm just not as high on the Padres as a lot of as a lot of people are. Well, per- personally, I think the I, I think the Dodgers are the best team in that division, and I and I, I think the Giants kind of played a little bit over their heads last year. And then you lose a guy like Buster Posey who had a phenomenal year and the team leader. I think that's hard to come back from. So I have them down, but the Padres, you know, I kind of mocked them a little bit last year for, you know, the way things ended last year, but uh, I, I, I still think they're a very talented team. One of the most talented teams in the league. Um, they should have obviously ended last season much better than they did. Uh, but, you know, the start of this year, not to go by just the starts, but they're starting pitching through like went like seven innings. Each of them went like seven innings without giving up a hit for the first couple of games. So they looked pretty dominant. So yeah. some issues in that first game blowing it. But uh, I think they're a very good team still. I think, you know, they're going to get Tatis back at some point. And I, I, I just, you know, there's a lot of competitive teams, but I, it's hard for me to not think of the San Diego Padres as one of the six best teams in the National League. They, they gave up a, a walk-off home run to Seth Beer on National Beer Day. That's synergy right there. I think that's a team that is not going to have a problem getting to 90 wins, despite the fact that they've got a really good team in front of them in Los Angeles. Am I selling the Giants a little bit short here? They won more than 100 ball games last year. Jeremy, you bring up a great point. They lose the star of the team in many ways. They're Buster Posey. They've got one of the front runners for National League Rookie of the Year ready to replace him. In Joey Bart. So bit of an interesting story there. Are we a little bit cold right now on the Giants? Maybe unfairly so. 
I don't think so. I mean, I, I just, as I just said, I, I think they played over their heads. It's hard for me to see them doing that again. Like, you know, you, you obviously they did it last year, so it's there. And, you know, you, you expect a little bit more of them because they, they did just do it, but it, you know, their, their guy, their team is getting older. Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, Evan Longoria. These are aging veterans. And it's hard to just, for me to see them like once again, stepping up and doing what as having as great of a year as they did last year. And, you know, a Joey Bart, great prospect, as you said, but once again, a rookie, you know, yeah. being thrust into a situation as a starting catcher, which is kind of difficult. Um, and replacing Buster Posey, a probable Hall of Famer. So that's a, a legend in San Francisco. So that's a difficult spot to be in. So I just, I just, the Dodgers, I, or excuse me, the Giants, I just have them as a third best team, I think, in that division. Yeah. Uh, how about the Phillies, though? That lineup. I mean, yeah. that one thing that you can say about the Phillies, and there's some questions maybe about the starting rotation, that lineup is going to score a ton of runs today. And I didn't see the final. I assumed that they held on and won for nothing. They're down to the Mets, bottom of the eighth inning, a Five spot goes up, and it's like the Phillies are never going to be out of a ball game this year. That's why I think they're going to take the NL East. Well, they're going to hit, and I have them in my playoffs. I don't have them as winning the East, but they do have some questions on the other side. Uh, that outfield, not the best, not the best defense. outfield. They put yes, in terms of defense, they put together a team. You know, it's like did anybody tell the Phillies you, they only added one DH spot? They didn't add more than one. You know, Harper, who's kind of over the years kind of losses Schwarber Castellanos all those guys are going to hit but they might not field um but I think the Phillies are good enough to make the playoffs so I put them in there I just don't see them winning the division I think there's a lot of Cubs fans looking at a lineup with Harper Schwarber Castellanos and yeah. going oh wait a minute wait that was almost a thing here of course that didn't work out we know how things have gone but there was a time where we thought that might have been the middle of the Cubs lineup for a number of years and Certainly, obviously, didn't work out that way. Uh, but I got the Phillies, yeah, taking the East. Let's get into some individual awards here. We'll start in the American League. Randall, I want to toss it to you here first. You're the uh, guru here, the predictor of the three of us. Give me your AL MVP, your AL Cy Young, and your American League Rookie of the Year. And if you've got anything to add on any of them, throw it in there. Absolutely. American League MVP, I am taking Vladito, Vlad Jr. as my MVP, I'm a little hesitant to bet against Shohei Otani, who is still probably the best baseball player in the world. I just think he's going to have trouble repeating last year just because he the, the body deals with so much being a great hitter and a great pitcher. That's the only reason I'm not picking him is I'm just not sure physically the human body can handle that. So I'm going to take Vlad Jr. as my AL MVP. I think Garrett Cole wins the American League Cy Young Award. And I think Julio Rodriguez is my American League Rookie of the Year. I think that's a fine young ball player out there in Seattle. I think he's got everything you need to succeed, and I think he's going to do that this year and take home that coveted American League Rookie of the Year Award. Yeah, Randall J. Sanders, big Seattle guy. Lots of love for Seattle. The other Seattle guy here, Jeremy, what do you got? MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year in the AL. Well, uh, Randall, uh, for my AL MVP, I'm going to go with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, I, you know... I, you went with Shohei Otani last year, so I thought maybe you might double up. I'm going with Vlad Guerrero Jr. again in Toronto for my AL Cy Young. Randall, I'm going with Garrett Cole uh, from the New York Yankees. And, you know, I've always been a Garrett Cole guy. I picked him, I think, last year as well. Probably picked him in the past. I've, I've always been, I'm a little surprised Randall took Garrett Cole because of all the Schwarber, the talk, you know, against Garrett Cole. I'm a little surprised there. And then for my AL Rookie of the Year, I did talk this guy up over the offseason a little bit when I thought Chris Bryant was signing there in Seattle as being a reason why I thought, you know, maybe they were going to make a run. And that is my American League Rookie of the Year is Julio Rodriguez, Randall. So that's three wow. for three. We just went to say. 
And I've been a big J-Rod fan for the last couple of years. That guy just hit baseball hard, and I'm following in the minor leagues. I've I've talked up Seattle as being a team going, and I'm like, that's all going to be on J-Rod. And so I just think it's funny. We, we go at the same spot, Randall. We got three for three right here. So we're either going to be way right or way wrong, but we're going to do it together. Who, who would have thought I would have gotten to Seattle and planted a flag there before Jeremy? Wow. Well, almost a three for three for three, because I actually share two of the three same predictions as you guys. AL MVP, we're all going up to Toronto here. Vlad Jr., it's going to be the year. You guys have both said it here, but the only thing that stopped him from getting it last year was the modern-day Babe Ruth, as they like to call Otani. This is the year Vlad leads the Blue Jays to winning the American League East. AL Cy Young. Giving it to Garrett Cole. He's finally going to do it. He's been a finalist multiple times. He's got a couple years under his belt in New York. I think he's got a good team behind him. Garrett Cole is going to finally get over the hump this year in New York. It's the Cy Young. I am going to the city of the Kearns for Rookie of the Year here. Spencer Torkelson is my pick for the American League Rookie of the Year. Great young player. Really cool moment with uh, Miguel Cabrera handing over the glove to him the other day at opening day. Torkelson has sort of taken on the opportunity now in Detroit. I think that's going to be a very fun team. Not playoff bound, but a good competitive team in the American League Central this year. And I think Torkelson's going to take it home. And, and plus, we have to get something different too. Yeah. Torkelson, I think it was opening day, may have dropped the loudest inadvertent like mic pickup of an F-bomb that I've ever heard on a baseball, or maybe in any sporting event, after he struck out <laughs> and against Liam Hendricks. I saw some tweet that, oh, uh, Spencer Torgensen knows how to speak Australian as well, went to Hendricks on the mound there. I thought that was pretty funny, but that was pretty loud. <laughs> Always a great moment when the mic picks those things up. Let's go NL here. Randall, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year. My NL MVP, I'm going to give it to Juan Soto this year. I think this is the year for him. My NL Cy Young Award, I'll take Walker Bueller out there in Los Angeles. And I'm going to do my one homer pick here in the National League, National League Rookie of the Year, Seiya Suzuki. That's my pick. Okay. Jeremy, who you got? NL. Uh, well, on the National League, Randall, we're going to be a little different, which is nice. Uh, I'm going with, uh, in, for the MVP, I'm going with, uh, I guess I'll call him uh, Juan Soto's mentor. I'm going back with a repeat champion, Bryce Harper, in mm -hmm. right field. Uh, for the NL Cy Young, it didn't start off this way at all, but I'm sticking with it, and I'm going once again with a repeat champion, Corbin Burns. And then from the Rookie of the Year, this guy's not even playing Major League Baseball right now, but I still picked him to be the Rookie of the Year, and I think it's a good thing he's not playing Major League Baseball right now because the Cubs are in Pittsburgh. I'm going with O'Neill Cruz. Okay. Yeah, how soon do you think he's up? Well, I, as a guy, you know, they did say he needs to work on his defense, and I know we all kind of mocked that for what it is, but – O'Neill Cruz, you know, being a six foot seven shortstop or right fielder or wherever, he hasn't really has settled in here. So I do think there are some legitimate concerns there. So I, I think it'll probably be another month or so before he comes up. Yeah. Well, and then he'll put it all together here for rookie of the year. Uh, got some different picks here for me. NL MVP, really all of my NL picks here for the awards are coming out of the West. But the MVP, Mookie Betts. I think the Dodgers are going to be clearly head and shoulders the best team in the National League. I think he's going to be a big part of it. Also, the Cy Young winner coming out of the NL, Walker Bueller. So Dodgers for MVP, Cy Young. And then because they've got such a great rivalry, National League Rookie of the Year, Joey Bart, the backstop in San Francisco. I think he brings it home as National League Rookie of the Year. What a tremendous opportunity for that player as well. So much hype around him. There was a report last year when Bryant was going to San Francisco that Bart was coming back, and that thing got blown up about a minute or two after it blew up itself on Twitter. But Bart appears to be in a great situation there in San Francisco, and I think he's going to be the National League Rookie of the Year. 
you know, the Giants having a player named Joey Bart, it feels like the Cubs need a player named like Fred L or something like that. You know, like hopefully, hopefully we can get Ed Howard and Joey Bart on the same field at some point in the near future. We get the all public transportation uh, matchup there. But this, this is a good, this is a good varied field. Uh, clearly, we're all of the same mind in our American League individual award picks, mostly Ronan going Torkelson over J-Rod. But in the National League, we have a lot of differing opinions. Uh, so it will be very interesting to see in uh, episode, I don't know, 130 or so, 140, where we end up coming out in this and who comes closest to being right. Yeah, yeah, that is fun. And look, I fully anticipate having some wrong picks here. That's the beauty of baseball. But nice to get some predictions out there. And Jeremy, I'm with you. I made my prediction. I actually put it out to the world on Twitter on opening day, and I'm sticking with it. And we're going to see where all this plays out. You got me thinking though, Randall, one of my great stories from high school, urban studies class. We were talking about different city street names in Chicago. And a girl raised her hand and said, why is it named Roosevelt? And I, without hesitation, just no, no blip in the radar at all. Well, Roosevelt Brown, and she nodded and she took a little note in her notebook. And I went, that's, that's just a great moment in GBS urban studies history. Girl wanted to know why is the street called Roosevelt? Well, of course, Roosevelt Brown. And she took it, took the note down. I hope she put that on an exam in that class. From my understanding, Ronan, you in urban studies was just one, one moment after another of you going, gosh, that's a great moment in GBS urban studies history, courtesy of yourself. That's my understanding. Well, shout out to the teacher, too, who unfortunately just passed away last year or two. Mr. Palish, Carl Palish, I think was his name, longtime Cubs season ticket holder. And when my brother took his class, 98 or so, he took me out to a ball game at Wrigley Field. So very cool. Always had a good relationship with that guy and just a great Cubs fan. I also remember years later, my parents and I were up in Milwaukee at a Cubs Brewers game. You're walking down those uh, cement ramps or whatever to get out of the upper deck after the game's over. To our right, Mr. Palish. So great Cubs fan. Many, many good memories in his class. And he laughed. He understood what I was saying when I said that that street's named after Roosevelt Brown. We didn't pick World Series winners. So who wins the pennant in the NL? Who wins the pennant in the AL? Randall, who's the crown this October? I have the Dodgers over the Mariners. I think the Mariners really wow. get hot late in the season. I think they make a 2007 Colorado Rockies-esque run, and then they just run into a brick wall in the Dodgers in the World Series. I have the Dodgers over the Mariners. Love it. Love it. Who you got, Jeremy? Well, I do have the same champion as Randall. I am, I am going with the Los Angeles Dodgers. <clears throat> However... In the World Series, win the AL pennant, I do have a different shade of blue, and it's not the team that I picked to win their division, and it's not a team I said will even finish with the best record or whatever, but I have still have the Toronto Blue Jays making it all the way to the World Series. So I have the Dodgers over the Blue Jays in an all-blue and white and a little bit of red uh, World Series. That would be awesome. be very, very cool to see both of those stadiums, two of the biggest in baseball, rocking during the World Series. I love the Blue Jays. I'm all in on the Blue Jays this year, but team Joe here. So I'm going with the Dodgers winning the National League, eventually winning it all. They're going to do it in a all Southern California World Series. Dodgers, Angels, and you know what? Let's let it go to seven games. I want the season to go as long as possible. Seven games, Dodgers over Anaheim to bring it home, and that's my prediction here in 2022. I think that'd be a lot of fun and certainly entertaining. What is it they call that rivalry? Is that the Freeway Series? Is that, is that what they designate that, that, that Dodgers-Angels series every year? Yes, uh, and it, there, it is a freeway in particular, maybe the three, I want to say. I, some of you are both looking it up. 
we'll have an answer here in a minute, but something like that. I would love to see that though. And um, two ballparks I've not been to. So definitely want to get into both. I five. I five. I knew it was a single digit. I went three Randall. But you know, that, that's all right. I, I wouldn't have known the answer anyway. Well, good stuff. We'll see how all this plays out. What else has your attention here in major league baseball? Get the season going. You're on MLB TV. What other storylines are you thinking about here in 22? This, this is not exclusive to this year, but this year I feel like it's getting a little bit more attention. I think it's just the influx of just raw young talent that throughout MLB. The Mariners started Julio Rodriguez on their opening day roster. You know, Jeremy said uh, O'Neill Cruz coming up at some point. We're going to see Brennan Davis at some point. We could see Caleb Killian at some point. Uh, you know, Bobby Suzuki. Witt. Bobby Witt, exactly, starting on the opening day roster. The Rays are calling up a young man by the name of Tommy Romero, who's part of their young pitching core. Again, this is not exclusive to this season. You could say this about any season. But here in the early going, my eye is on just the, the crop of Spencer Torkelson, another name that I yeah. forgot starting the season on the opening day roster. Just, just one top prospect that you've heard about for years in the minors after another, either starting the season on their opening day rosters or anticipated to come up at some point and do great things. That's where I'm at early in the season. Just watching all these great young players, hopefully the future of MLB coming up and doing great things for their teams in major league baseball. That's a great point, Randall. And I love that so many of these guys are on opening day rosters, as you were saying there, Joey Bart too in San Francisco. Maybe we're seeing a shift here in the way that these teams are looking at these players and trying to get them to sign long-term extensions in year one or right as they get up to the majors. Pretty cool, though. Tons of young talent. I think that's something worth watching. Jeremy, what, what else sort of has your attention here early in 22? I think it's just going to be a very competitive season. I, I think we have some very competitive divisions. I think both of, as I mentioned, both of the East divisions, I think are going to be extremely competitive. Um, I think you're going to be surprised at how competitive like the central is in both divisions. So I, I really don't see like, you know, in the past we've seen some kind of haves and haves not have nots where like, you know, the teams on the bottom had kind of really kind of tanked and you have some elite teams and there are still some elite teams. Don't get me wrong. The Dodgers are very good. You know, there are some elite teams, but I, I just feel like we're going to have a very, and the 12 team playoff is also going to play into this as well, but I feel like we're going to have a very competitive year this year. And that gets me excited. I think there's gonna be a lot of ball games. that are going to have a lot of meaning. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, larger rosters here the first month of the year, then things will get a little bit tighter as we get into May. So some odd things here. This is not a normal season. I haven't had a normal season in years. Spring training much shorter, six-man pitching rotations. There's just some stuff going on right now we haven't seen in a long time in baseball, and that's going to be worth watching. I've got a criticism to lob here, what, three days or so into the season. Big surprise, MLB TV is such a mess. It is such a mess trying to watch these games. Two things that bother me, and yes, they missed the uh, seventh inning stretch on opening day at Wrigley because they always miss it, and it feels personal at this time for fans like me. But two things that really irritate me right now, I'm watching on a Roku. It is 2022. There is no ability for me on MLB TV to watch split screen or multiple games on a Roku. That's very annoying. I want to watch what's happening in two games at one time, but the least they could do to sort of meet me in the middle on that, if for some reason that technology is not available, is give me a button that will allow me to rapidly jump back and forth between two games. Like if you're watching on a real TV, hit the back button. There's no mechanism for you to do that. You've got to log out of the game you're watching. You've got to select the new game that you're watching. You've got to pick the TV or radio feed, 
Then they ask you, do you want to pick up the game where you left it off? Do you want to start from where it is now? Do you want to restart from the beginning? It's insane. I cannot just jump back and forth between two games. Drives me absolutely crazy, and there's no reason for it. Also, funny note here with MLB TV, if you were watching it at all this weekend, they mirrored the scores for the first three days of the year. So I'm watching opening day, Cubs game, and I look at the score feed, and I see Pittsburgh 5, St. Louis 0. And I'm sitting here going, hot damn, this young Pittsburgh team, they go to St. Louis, they put up a five spot. This is awesome. I see a headline later that day, Arenado homers and shutout win. And I'm like, what the hell? They had the score backwards on every single major league game, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's such a mess of a service. So here I am paying all this money for it, still watching it. But is it too much to ask for some type of split screen or back button so I can rapidly jump back and forth when two important batters are up, it's late in a ball game, and I want to watch both. I don't see why that's too much to ask for in 2022. Yeah, I, I you know, I, for me, and I have no LV TV as well, um, on my PlayStation 4, when I was watching, it would it used to give you, or I, I haven't watched it in a while on the PlayStation 4, but it, it would give you, um, you, it had like an interface when you're watching a game where it would bring up and it would show every other game um and what the score was and everything and you could click on it and go from any from any game to another game just immediately jump to that game and sometimes it would only work i feel like 50 percent of the time but when i'm watching on my native on the native app on the tv which is where i generally use it does it does what you say you you can't go to another game you can only go you have to go back out come back to it so i feel like that should be something that should just be available you know like it should have a way to get from one game to another game without having to leave go back to the main menu go back and select like you should be able to pick different games like that seems to me like a no-brainer and the other one is you're complaining about the split screen when i've been watching on my computer this year one of the issues that i've found this this season is on the period gives you a couple options you can watch one game you can watch a split game or two and you already can watch a split screen of four games when you click on the four games the, the screen doesn't adjust. And so if you have the like the stat layout on the side and the the box score kind of on the bottom or, or just the line score, excuse me, the line score showing the score by inning, the runs by inning, it covers up the bottom of the screen. Oh, so God. you can't you can't <laughs> actually see the games that are on the four windows that are in a quad. So you have to hide those layouts. It used to adjust and like it would move down and so you can see all four screens, like how we're looking on on we're doing zoom, how we're looking on the street zoom. But it the the line score will cover that, the bottom two games. So that seems to be an issue so far earlier in this first a uh, week or so of MLB TV that I've never seen before. And yeah. so like, that's kind of annoying because I like having the line score up and the box score on the side. I don't like hiding all that while watching. Yeah, it's just, it's such a shoddy product. And for 130 bucks a year, it, please get this stuff right. And you've got to realize that the type of fan who is out of market watching their team and other teams is going to want to jump around between games, especially when you've got like the bases loaded in one game and a big situation in another game. You want to be able to easily watch both. So I'm sitting here like an asshole. I got the game on one TV. I got the Rockies illegally streaming on my computer so I can actually avoid the blackout and watch them. I got another game going on my phone and I'm like, this is crazy. I've got a nice TV here. Why can't I put three games on at one time and just watch it and take it in? Or and one more no- criticism, oh, Dick Monfort. Know. Last year, I gave MLB TV so much credit because they started putting up archive episodes of This Week in Baseball. How cool that I could go back and watch a random This Week in Baseball from 1975 
or the 80s or the 90s just to see what was going on in baseball. We're more than a year into it. They have never updated any of the episodes of This Week in Baseball. There's like 12 episodes that have been sitting there for the last year. Why can't they give us more? Like 50, give us 50. You know how fun it would be actually for someone like me? I was thinking about the 1989 season. Cubs make the playoffs, they win the division. I'm two years old. Other than seeing the boys of Zimmer VHS, I don't have much of a connection to the 89 Cubs. I would watch either one episode per month or all season long of this week in baseball from 89, just to see like what games, what moments, what story angles that year did the national media choose to cover with that Cubs team? Or how fun would it be for 98 to see like, okay, Kerry Wood in May, Sammy goes off in June, Cubs put together a great run the second half of the year, they win the wild card. To watch that sort of play out now, no, can't give me that. It's the same 12 episodes they've been running out for the last year. It's just... It just strikes me as the people that run this, the owners of Major League Baseball, they don't give a damn about anything. Like they could make this product better and cooler and easier, but eh, screw it. We're going to do the bare minimum possible. It's going to bug out half the time. And these idiots, which I am, are going to keep buying the product year in and year out because what's my alternative, right? I want to watch the Cubs game. That's how I can watch the Cubs. It just sucks to me so much that they can't do these little things to make the product a little bit more enjoyable for their fans. Yeah, you know, and and to be honest, they probably, if you're just talking about the owners, the owners probably aren't even involved, you know, it's probably on a much lower level than they are. Uh, but, it's you know, for, cheap. let's keep yeah, things well, for, for a, you know, they sold out for that they spun off BAM Tech and sold for how many billions to Disney for, a, you know, that was all built off of MLB. Disney Plus is built off of MLB TV, ESPN Plus, who, all those things. So, like, you would think, that for how they're, they've been the leading industry leaders in the industry pretty much in terms of streaming for 20 years, that they would have a better handle on this. Yeah. But again, I, did, I don't, I think you're right. I don't think Dick Montfort ever watches MLB TV. I don't think he cares. It's just a byproduct of let's not make this a truly great fan experience. Let's make a bunch of money and just deliver a product that's good enough. And it's just disappointing. When you're as passionate about the sport as I am, a little bit more tact would go a long way. And it's unbelievable, 20 years into MLB TV, they can't show the seventh inning stretch at Wrigley Field on opening day. Every year, they get that thing wrong and they get bombarded on Twitter, but nothing changes. It's like a change of the seasons here, Randall. You know MLB TV is not going to be there for the stretch. But it does bother me because I'm at home. I want to get that Wrigley Field experience. Part of it is seeing the Hall of Famers sing that stretch. Even if it's a stupid Cubs tradition, it means a lot to me and it is something I do want to see. And I think it's something MLB TV should get right. That's the true spring equinox is Ronan starts complaining about MLB TV. It's even more reliable than the groundhog. Well, I have some criticisms from Marquee, but I'm going to table those for some time down the road. They were talking over, say, his first major league hit, the sideline report. That one bothered me. But overall, good to see Boog and JD and a nice Cubs weekend here. Uh, number 64, Randall. Oh, no, you got something first. What do you got? Yeah, one, you mentioned Boog. It is Boog's birthday today. Mm. Uh, so happy birthday, Boog Shambi. We are lucky to have him on Cubs television. We just keep passing the baton from one great television voice to the other. So happy birthday, Boog. Randall, eight players or coaches, combined eight men over the years have worn number 64 for the Chicago Cubs. And I think the most random of all of them, last year, Pedro Strope, number 64 for the 2021 Chicago Cubs. I don't know that I'm going to remember that 20 years from now that he ever wore 64, but he did last year. 
Uh, what a what a great little bit of trivia that is. Pedro Strope's brief second stint with the Cubs that he comes up in number 64. Of course, Craig Kimbrell had 46 last year. Strope briefly a Cub again in 2021, uh, 64, the reverse of his traditional 46. Yeah, that's a nice little bit of trivia. You know, we'll, we'll talk about Pedro Strope down the line as one of those great kind of under the radar former Cubs. Trivia question. What uh, what number did he wear? In his second stint with the Cubs, the answer will be 64. But yeah, a, a lot of other names on here that just kind of make you go, who? Justin Berg is definitely one of those players that makes me go, who? I remember Emilio Bonifacio because he was such a, an effervescent player on that otherwise unspectacular first half 2014 Cubs team. But he had the, uh, the hand signal he would make with the other players. He had his, his uh, catchphrase, low viste. So I remember Emilio Bonifacio. Henry Blanco apparently wore it as a coach from 2015 to 2017. Sure, I'll take your word on that. Jaime Garcia, the former Cardinal, former Blue Jay, former Yankee, he wore it in that ill-fated 2018 season. And uh, without looking, would you be able to name the other pitcher who wore it last season? No. Yeah, me either. The answer would be Ryan Meisinger. (laughs) which again, I only remember because I'm looking at the list right in front of me. That list, by the way, is on CubsByTheNumbers.com, a great website run by Casey Ignarski. You can find him on Twitter, at Casey Ignarski. And again, his website, CubsByTheNumbers.com, an invaluable resource for people like me and people like us when we need to look up a Cubs number. So yeah, it's 64, another one of those numbers that uh, there's just not a whole lot going on. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of those moving forward for us here into the 60s. I got a trivia question for you guys here as we bring this show to its final minute or so here. The Cubs last season, not a great year, of course, 71 wins, 91 losses. They had double-digit victories against one opponent last year. Who was that opponent? Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Randall. 14-5 and last year against Pittsburgh. So as the Cubs go to PNC Park tomorrow for a quick two-game set, good record there. Follow-up question. It was not the Cubs' highest winning percentage last year. Who was the opponent that the Cubs had the highest winning percentage against in 2021? The I'm, I'm gonna... That's my Sorry? guess. Yeah, Padres. Oh, San Diego. Yes. Randall, do you agree with that? Yes. I, I was going to say maybe there's some team that they swept magically, and that gives them, of course, a, a 1,000 winning percentage. But that certainly makes sense. They went, what, 5-1 and one against the Padres last five season? 5-1. So yeah. that certainly makes sense. Yeah, so five and one against San Diego, an eight thirty-three winning percentage, fourteen and five against the Buccos, a seven thirty-seven winning percentage. And I don't want to talk about some of the other teams like Miami, very ugly season last year for the Cubs against the Marlins, the White Sox, and a handful of other teams. But we will be back here after this road trip, two in Pittsburgh, four in Denver. I've got stories for y'all next week. I'll try and pump the brakes on complaining about MLB TV. I'll complain about Dick Montfort, though, and some of the crazy things I'm going to see out at Coors Field here this weekend. Still very excited to see some Chicago Cubs baseball. Hopefully, a good turnout and a couple of wins for the Cubs here in Denver. We will be back next week with number 65 for Randall and Jeremy. This is at BTYL Podcast. We'll see you next week.